Hello and welcome to the latest edition of the Quadcast. My name is John McAlevey, and I thank you for stopping by. For those of you first-timers with us, while this venture is mainly for and about folks like me who have had their lives affected by a spinal cord injury, it is really for anyone who just wants to be inspired. I hope that each and every episode feels like a 30 to 45-minute session of OT and PT for the soul. So, did you have the opportunity to listen to my last show, a conversation with spinal pedias Josh Basil? If not, I urge you to do so. He is an amazing advocate for the spinal cord injured community. Please check out his website, which is www.spinalpedia.com. Spinalpedia is a social mentoring network and video archive that allows the spinal cord injured community to motivate each other with knowledge and triumphs gained from our individual experiences. It was a pleasure getting to know Josh, and I hope to collaborate with him in the future. Now, I am recording today's show on Saturday, August 6, my first such weekend chit-chat, and I will be speaking with a gentleman who I met as a result of my job as the Peer Counseling Coordinator at Kessler Institute for Rehabilitation in West Orange, New Jersey. It is my job to introduce myself to new patients and tell them about the peer mentoring program that we offer. Oftentimes, patients will tell me that they are just not quite ready for it, which is perfectly fine. Others need a little time to think about it, so I check back with them in a couple of days, while some jump right in and are on board immediately. When I entered Scott Metalovich's room, I didn't know what to expect, but was greeted with a warm smile. Our conversation flowed easily, and it was apparent from the get-go that he had a great attitude one conducive to what he was about to face on a daily basis in the physical and occupational therapy gyms. I am introducing a new feature today here on the podcast, one that I call the Friend Zone. And following this public service announcement from Cheshire Home, Scott Metalovich will be in it. And that, my friends, is next. For over 40 years, Cheshire Home, a specialized care nursing facility located in Florham Park, New Jersey, has offered 24-7 nursing care, physical and occupational therapy, transportation, recreation, and more to the spinal cord injured community. As a transitional facility, Cheshire Home is dedicated to empowering young adults as they reclaim their maximum level of independence. Cheshire Home residents live by the motto, able, not idle. The entire staff has one common goal, to improve the lives of their residents, helping over 245 residents transition to the community and be reunited with their loved ones. For more information or to find out how you can make an impact on a resident's life, visit CheshireHome.org. And we are back. And without further ado, it is my pleasure to welcome in my friend, Scott Metalovich to the Quadcast. Scott, welcome, and thank you for coming along. Well, thank you very much, John, for inviting me. Terrific. You know, we have been friends for 
it's got to be over a year now. And, and I, I introduced a new feature today. I'm calling it the friend zone. And I'd like to uh, honor you as being the first one to, uh, to join me in this. And so um, without um, getting too much further down the road, what I like to do with each and every one of my shows, as you know, because you are an avid listener and I appreciate that, is I like to begin at the beginning. So why don't you tell our listeners, where did you grow up? And what were some things that you liked doing as a young person? I grew up in East Meadow, Long Island, and I was an avid uh, hockey fan, but I couldn't really ice skate that well. So I took to uh, roller skating. Then I switched to rollerblades, and I actually played on a, a lot of tournament teams as a roller hockey guy. And I absolutely, even the way I walk now, I've had my PTs tell me that it looks like I'm a gliding stride, like I'm, like I'm uh, skating. So I think that's pretty funny. And I think I want to get back to skating. I'm a little further away from that right now, but I definitely want to try to do skating again. I guess it's tough to be a hockey player if you can't skate on the ice too well, right? Yeah, absolutely. The key to hockey is skating. <laughs> absolutely. I tell everyone that wants to do it, like uh, Dr. Nieves, my doctor, his son was getting into hockey. And I said, listen, the main thing is skating. That's all you got to do is learn to skate. Yeah. And just comes. Yes. And then it's muscle memory after that, right? That's absolutely true. You know, Scott, I went to Providence College in Rhode Island and we have a great hockey program there. I knew nothing about hockey growing up. It was, I, I played three sports in high school and hockey was like the furthest thing from my mind. I had some friends on our high school team and I used to love going to the games, but I was never a skater. But when I got to college and, you know, we had a top 15 program in the country, I used to love going to the games because they were fun and the, the arena was right on campus and you were up close and you get to know some of the guys from class and uh, want to support them. But I remember in the off season, you had to be careful walking around campus because these big guys would be going to and from all of the classes on rollerblades and they get ahead of steam going. They could knock you on your rear end. So they were they were keeping their legs in shape by rollerblading all around campus. Absolutely. That's what you got to do. The key to hockey is skating, and you just got to do it all the time, everywhere. And like I said, Dave, my PT has told me that my stride looks like a hockey stride. And yeah. I said, that's because I was an avid hockey player for from the age of 13 on. Mm -hmm. So, Yeah, um, and you did that with your buddies in the neighborhood? You played with your friends? Every single weekend we would. It was so funny. There was a old military establishment pretty close to the house and it had an abandoned uh base uh sorry tennis court and we made that we said you know what we could all skate on this it was definitely what you need to do mm -hmm. and we carried a net down there one of the guys was a goalie and we all brought equipment and we would stay there all day every day yeah that's the way it was i mean like I laugh now, I have kids now and I have to text them to come home. <laughs> I think this is crazy. I have to text them to come home. But my rules were the minute those lights came on, you had uh, 10 minutes to get your ass home. That's right. And if you didn't, that's when you got in trouble. But <laughs> I mean, it's so different now. I don't see the kids like that. And I really, it's, it, it makes me sad. Just yeah. The way it used to be, go, go on your bike, go from one friend's house to another friend's house. And mm. Now they text each other. Right. It's true. I remember I'm hearing. So, I re I'm sorry to go up, but yeah, that's. So growing up in East Meadow, that was it. It was a bunch of guys. And every single day we'd start at somebody's house and then we'd grab a net, 
we'd start going down and then sometimes we had two nets and mm -hmm. it depended. We always would like, there was about 10 of us that played every single weekend, every single Saturday, all day, Sunday, all day. It's nice. Your, your parents knew where you were and you were just, you know, being kids, being kids. Exactly. Yeah. Different world. Scott, how about as you start to get a little bit older, what are you, you know, starting to plan out for yourself as you're thinking, you know, what am I going to do after school and, uh, you know, with my life? What are, what are you planning and uh, what is it that you're actually doing at that point? Well, the funniest thing was when I graduated high school, I wanted to do architecture. I went into New York Institute of Technology on A in architecture mm -hmm. and I failed everything else because uh, very hard class. Sure. So then... I decided to go to Nassau Community College and I took up hotel restaurant management. And when I took up hotel restaurant management, there was a sign up and it said, work for the mouse. And I didn't know what that meant. So I started talking to people and they said, you can do your college internship down in Disney World. So I did my internship down in Disney and it absolutely was a great place to work and learn. And you saw the company that Disney was, it was a machine and it's on my resume and every boss, when they would read through my resume, when they would get to the part that said college, they would all say, did you misspell masters? I'm like, no, I have a masters. I failed my doctorate. <laughs> and they all would start laughing. And I would say, they would go, Oh, I love Disney. I go there every year with my wife and kids or, Oh, I remember going there after high school and stuff. And I say, yeah, that's where I want. And they, and it breaks the ice on every interview. And I tell a lot of people when I see them, like college kids, I said, you really, once you put that on your resume, everybody knows Disney. Yeah. And use it to your advantage. And that's what I did. It's a nice and icebreaker, right? As you said, everybody knows Disney. Absolutely. That was my icebreaker. And then I went to college and uh, I did what I did. And then I started working for a company and I moved my, moved my way through the company I started when I was 17 years old. My aunt got me my job. She's an accounts payable manager. And the funniest part is she retired when I got higher in the company than her. Oh, geez. I became national sales and marketing coordinator. I was on the road 26 weeks out of the year. Wow. And what sort of a company was it, Scott? That was, that was uh, it was not HVAC. It was more like heating, oil heat. It was okay. called uh, Sid Harvey Industries. It was... So I used to go to all the stores and do like grand openings Okay. so that people would come and come visit us and see our products. And it was a good time and it lasted for a while, but you know, life takes you different paths. And then I decided to go a totally different way. I wanted to do mortgage banking. I thought it was an up and coming industry, but I didn't like the way it was going. And then after that, I went into uh, more of the HVAC and I worked for a company called Lennox. And sure. they were, they were very big in the Midwest, but they weren't so big here and just going into people and just using my personality and saying, you know, me, give me, give us a shot. Mm -hmm. What do you have to lose? And yep. what it is, I'm 
I'm that type of man. I, I say to everyone, I'm a born salesman. I can sell ice to an Eskimo. Well, I was going to, and I sort of say that in, in my intro, you'll hear that when I first walked in your room, you know, you greeted me with a warm smile and you and I were chatting like we had known each other for 10 years. Um, it reminds me of something. My, my dad was a, was a born salesman. He was in sales his whole life. And I, I remember as a young kid in the, in, I was in my room and I heard him on the telephone, yucking it up with somebody laughing and laughing. And so I walked in, I said, Hey dad, you know, what do you do? You know, I was a young kid at the time. What is it that you do? And he said, John, I'm in the people business. And I kind of think that I sort of took that from him. And I think you, you're the same type of a person. You're in the people business. You make people feel good. Um, you know, when you talk with them and you put people at ease and you just, um, it's easy to talk to. And when conversation flows, that's when ideas can, uh, can, you know, be born and you can, you can make some inroads, as you said, with this, with this new job. And that's what you did. Exactly the way it worked. And yeah. you know what? Life takes you many paths. It does. That and I'm on my new path now and I'm not, I'm embracing it every day. Yeah. Well, that brings me to this question that I have to always ask everybody. What is it about the day that changed your life? Uh, what do you remember before, during, and immediately after uh, the day that you had your accident? What I remember is that day I went on, because this is all during COVID, there was a conference call, and I told my boss that I had a couple of people on the hook from the night before that I needed to go see that day. And he said, okay, he said, your shift starts at 12, you're 12 to 8, do whatever you need to do and get it done. And I just remember leaving my house that morning, and the rest of the day really is gone. And I've spoken to a psychologist about this, and they said my brain never made a memory of that day. And when I see the pictures of my car and everything else, it brings me back. And craziest thing is I went with my wife to a storage facility in Long Island when we were emptying out, because now I live in Staten Island. We were emptying the storage facility. Right. And drove past the exit on the northern state where I had my accident. And mm. I turned to her and I go, I know exactly what was going on. She said, what do you mean? I said, my accident was there. She goes, how do you know that? I go, because I was going up that ramp. I was going to make a right to go get new coffee at Walmart, which is a couple of blocks down on Old Country Road in Westbury. And instead of turning right, I passed out at the wheel due to my diabetes. My car went left and ended up in the second floor of that building. Oh, God. She goes, you were, she goes, you were, I said, I don't remember anything, but now when you just drove by it, my mind just flashed. Is that what happened, Scott? You passed out at the wheel? I did not know this. I didn't know anything about your, I just knew that you were in some sort of automobile accident. I had no idea. I'm an insulin dependent diabetic for 37 years. I had a sensor on my arm called a freestyle Libre, and it was supposed to warn me my blood sugar was going low. It never gave me any warnings. That's why I don't remember the day i used to always just if i if that warning went off i would just grab a snack and keep going but right it just failed that day and what happened and, what did you hit did you hit anybody else thank i mean no. hopefully when thank I, god you didn't it didn't take anybody else with you exactly i pray to god for that all the time what happens when oh. i passed out at the wheel the car went directly left went through a guardrail and ended up in the second floor of the building oh my god yes but I do not remember any of it except for when we did drive by it. I was like, oh, my God. It was like a total flashback. It, it was actually very scary. Yeah. But you think, but 
you know what? Life takes you. And I have not, I wrote on my wall at Kessler that my goal was to walk out of it. Oh, I remember. You told me that the first day because I walked in with my rollator at the time and you said, I want to be just like you. I don't know if you remember that. You said the girls and everybody told me that there's a chance and it's a slim chance, but I want to be just like you. And so uh, we'll get to that. But Scott, what do you remember once? um, Do you remember them getting you out of the car? Do you remember the first aid squad and all of that stuff? I do not remember anything at all. That is the craziest part. I do not. It is all gone. So what? I, what is? What is your next recollection? Recollection from you were getting getting your wife coffee to blackout city. You have the accident, and now when do you come to and and figure out that your world has changed? Um, I'm in the hospital now, and they're going to. It's the day after. It's April 22nd. My accident was April 21st. April 22nd. Um, I remember hearing the doctor talking to my wife because it was during COVID and he's talking on the phone she, and she's just kept asking him like, what are his chances? And he goes, listen, this is between Scott and Cod. I was very medicated at the time. And all I remember is that I want to make love to my wife again. Uh-huh. And I said that really loud. And I said, can you tell her that? And he put the mask on me, and then I went to sleep, and that was it. Yes. They did, they did the surgery, and then I was in a medically induced coma for two weeks mm-hmm. because trying to take the feeding tube and breathing tube out with my tongue. The, by so, the way, this is a G-rated show. The, the quadcast is a G-rated show, so we'll 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 save that uh, for later on, Scott. But oh, okay. So so you're you're heavily medicated, and did they do surgery on you at the time? three to C7. So they put a cage inside my neck. Okay. Okay. I remember any of that. I remember when I woke up, um, more and more, my wife was by my side every step of the way. And I remember she said that this place is no longer good for you. They gave us a choice of three hospitals to go to. Right. One in Georgia, one was upstate, and then there was Kessler. And when she said Kessler, it rang a bell because being a big Ranger fan, I remember Christopher Reeves, they did some sort of ceremony where they were talking about him and they were talking about Kessler. Right. So I, turned, I go, I want to go to Kessler. If they took care of Superman, they could take care of me. Wow. That's amazing that you had that recollection. You know, it's yeah. weird, Scott. I grew up, um, I could, you could basically throw a rock from where I grew up and hit Kessler. I was that close. So I had, you know, playing sports all those years, I had driven by the building a zillion times and (laughs) never really looked up the hill and never, never really knew what went on up there. And, you know, I, I, I joke and laugh with, with Dr. Kirschblum now. I told him that story the other day. I mean, just like laugh, like, oh my gosh, you've been by it so many times and little did you know that it would be such a big part of my life, you know, the last 30 years or so. So, okay, Scott, we know that when you have a spinal cord injury, it obviously affects you physically because you can't move certain things and you can't do what you were able to do at one point. But a lot of people don't realize how it affects someone mentally, almost more so than it does physically. So what is your mental state of mind at this point? You know what? I'm going to be honest with you right now. I have very, very good days a lot of times. 
But I do have down days. And it's so funny with my wife by my side. She only lets me get sad for 24 hours. She goes, 24 hours, suck it up. You're going to get through it. You mm. got to keep working. And that's why I do what I do with the walking and everything else I try to do and strive. Like, that's why I go to a gym here in my apartment complex because I want to just keep trying to push and do more and more. But mentally, it is tough. Yeah. I'm not by it does get to you. I mean, I felt it more when I was in Kessler itself because being in a hospital, I was an inpatient for seven and a half months. Yeah. That's what I was getting at. Mentally, when you, now, now that you're out and you're living in the community and you're, you're, you know, you're picking up your life again. It's not the same as it was, but you're, you're carving out a whole new one. But when you're first like wheeled in at Kessler and, you know, everybody walks away and you're laying in the bed. I mean, it's like, oh my gosh, that's where the, the whole mental aspect really hits you. Absolutely. There's great therapist at Kessler too. And I got her name. I speak, I spoke to a woman all the time. And when I was walking through the other day, I saw her in the second gym. She went, so how are you? She said, when I said, I'm yeah. doing fantastic. Yeah. And that's what I tell every day. I'm doing fantastic because yeah. I'm walking. I'm alive. Mm-hmm. You have to think of it that way. It's not something a lot of people think about. Like, it's funny. I woke up, my, me and my wife were talking the other day. And the last thing we said on the phone to each other is what type of coffee she wanted. Because that's the last time she spoke to me before the whole accident. Oh, geez. So I knew what to go get when I went to Walmart. Sure. Sure. Scott, I've heard you mention your wife a million times already so far. Tell me how important was having her by your side, um, other family members and friends in your recovery. I know I could never have done it without the support of a, of an amazing family and, and friends. My wife by my side was everything. Um, my friends came to, when I was in Long Island, they came there. I get phone calls from them, text messages, emails, things like that. And it's very interesting. But my wife, family-wise, been the one. And then I've got two specific cousins that check up on me every single week to just see what's going on because my family life is different. My father is old in a nursing home, deteriorating. And my mother is, she never wanted me to leave like Staten Island. She wanted to put me in a nursing home with my father and that's not what I was going to do. I was coming to Kessel because I wanted the rehabilitation to get better. Mm-hmm. And a nursing home does not do that. No. Kessler does that. And yeah. I praise Kessler all the time. It's funny. In my new apartment, one of the guys here, we bumped into each other as a talker all the time. And now I found out he's uh, his name, if I could say, is John Benedito. And he works for... Dr. Kirschbloom doing some sort of paperwork. Oh, gosh. What a small world. And he goes, you're a Kessler? I go, yeah. He goes, who do you have? And I said, oh, I have. I said, this is who I know. And he goes, oh, I remember Jane Mitchell worked with me. And we, we chatted. I see him outside. That's being here in where I'm at, the Irby in Staten Island. It's like a little community. Mm. It's, all, it's all disabled accessibility. We can go in the pools getting the gyms, all the hallways are big enough for us. Every bathroom is handicap accessible. It is absolute. And there's groups. Like we have meetings, like we did a, a vision board 
last week and sat down and talked to people and found out that the neighbor across the way from me works with the PT that works with me in the, in, uh, comes to the hotel and works with me. They're in the fire department together. That's amazing. I remember you were telling me, as you said, you were at Kessler for what, seven months? Seven and a half. I remember for the last like two and a half months, you kept telling me, yeah, we got a place. We got a place, but we can't get in it yet. John, I got a place. We're getting closer. We're getting closer. And then it would be another week or two would go by. Hey, Scott, you going in? No, not yet. We're still waiting and this and that. And But it, it sounds like, what what is it called again? This sounds like a real home run for you. John, it's called the Irby in Staten Island. I have a fourth floor apart, corner apartment with a view of the Verrazano Bridge to the right of me. Brooklyn is directly across from me. And if I look to the left, I can even see the statue. That's unbelievable. You've got quite the place. It is absolutely beautiful. Oh, I'm so happy that you had it. I know it, as we, as I said before, it sure took you forever to get there, but I guess as they say, good things come to those who wait, right? Absolutely true. I mean, cause we were looking on the list and we would tell, the insurance company every week were like, listen, they go really fast. And they were like, okay, no problem. Got to get in. I mean, we missed out on a bunch of apartments, but then to land this one, this is the king. Yeah. This is absolutely beautiful. Absolutely. You know, Scott, we were talking before about um, sports and social media and that kind of stuff. And I'd like to follow you on Twitter because you always have some really cool videos about your progress and things that you're doing. And I know that something that was at the heart of all of your hard work was walking across, which bridge was it? What I wanted to do more than anything, I always wanted to walk across the Brooklyn Bridge. Yeah. Tell, I, tell us about that story from- and how it drove you. It drove me. It was like a goal of mine. I kept saying, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to walk from Brooklyn to Manhattan and back to Brooklyn on the Brooklyn Bridge. And I did it. It took, I did it on Memorial Day. It took me two hours and 14 minutes, but I did it. I was absolutely exhausted when I got done, but it was a goal I set for myself. And that's what I keep doing. I keep pushing with goals, like the next goal. Me, my wife, my stepdaughter, and her boyfriend are going to Salem, Mass. in October, and we're doing something called the Witch's Trail, and that's another goal. And then after that, I'm going to go to Philadelphia, and I'm going to walk up the stairs that Rocky walked up. I'm not going <laughs> to run up them like Rocky. I'm going to walk up them like Rocky did. Are you going to have somebody with a boombox playing the music behind you? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> How else could you do it? Oh my gosh! You know it's great that you that you make those uh, set those goals for yourself because it gives you something to push towards. You know, absolutely, and that's what it was. It was every day at Kessler, I would push, I would push, and I was funny. I saw one of my therapists the other day, and she's actually just got engaged. She's so happy to tell me, and I'm taking her out to brunch, and we were talking about she would come to my room, and if I was down. She's like, come on, get up, let's go. And you know what? I would. I might have needed just that little push, but I would. And I never missed a day of therapy ever. Yeah. And I, and I don't, I still go now. Um, what am I at? I'm at two days a week now, and that's coming to an end because obviously insurance purposes. Sure. But also, I'm also testing out a mechanical arm. I'm doing a spinal study. So I also go to Kessler for that three days a week. 
Very cool. I want to hear more about that. But as I said, I see you in outpatient therapy because I too am getting a little tune up. Um, I'm doing some PT and OT and I see you there all the time. What is it now that um, you are working on, uh, first of all, in physical therapy? And then when they, uh, when that hours up and you come over to the OT side of it, what do they have you working on in uh, as far as occupational therapy? You know, physical therapy was interesting. Um, about two weeks ago, I left there with my wife. I went to a Walmart and I was pushing the shopping cart through Walmart, which I do all the time. It was open aisles. It was great. We got out. My wife goes, you know, let me push the cart. It's a little gravelly here. I go, no, no. I said, I'm being stubborn like I was. I said, no, no, I'll push the cart. Right. Pushing the cart. The cart went forward and I didn't. So I went down on my knees. Oh, jeez. I was a little, you know, taken back. I was scared. And I kept, all I kept telling, uh, telling people, I'm like, I'm a quadriplegic. Just let me be. I can do this. I can do this. But I really needed to help. And it was so nice to a man and a woman came by and one, my wife was there and I got up on my knees and then the one guy helped me on one side. My wife was on the other and the woman held me by my pants. Yeah. But I just needed that. Yeah. And that's what I've been working in PD. If I go down flat on the ground, getting into a standing tall position so I could try to get up on my own. That was a wake up call, Scott. Absolutely was. It was the wake up call because I haven't fallen. Yeah. And it was going to happen and I knew it was going to happen, but it just took, it just took a little something. It scares the, you know what out of you too, doesn't it? Absolutely. When you're on the ground, like the tears in my eyes, oh. I scraped up my knees. I look like a little kid. It was so funny when I saw my five-year-old nephew pointed my knees. He goes, you got boo-boos. <laughs> I said, yeah, I got big boo-boos. I said, don't worry about well, it. I said, you'll do. Yeah. Thank goodness those boo-boos were on your knee and not on your cranium. Uh, exactly what I was thinking. Oh my that. gosh. And we all, we all feel that way. We all know it from being in our accents, like how important your spine is. Uh, you don't realize everything it controls from your, your total movements that everything goes through your spine. Yeah. Um, nobody, nobody wants to talk about, um, you know, your bowel and bladder, but those are, those are the two biggest ones, right? I mean, good grief. Absolutely. It's things you would never, ever think of. Yeah. I tell my, my buds when I was in there with them over the years, we say, you know, having a spinal cord injury is the gift that keeps on giving because you're, it's always something. It's not just that you can't walk like you used to, or some people are para paralyzed. They can't get out of a wheelchair. It's not just that. It's your bowel. It's your bladder. It's your blood pressure. It's, I mean, so many different things that, that come along with this that, that make it such a, uh, a devastating injury to endure. Absolutely. It's just, it's unbelievable. At least, at least all the, the things that learning, like now with Botox, how it helps my muscles, how I go for Botox now about every six months, six weeks or six months. I'm not sure. But yeah. if I know I'm due for my next round on August 23rd and that's going to, and even my OT says it, like he could feel the difference of how tight I am now yep. because you need a round of Botox and I'm all scheduled to go for my next round on August 23rd. Yeah. I'm it's and, funny you mentioned that. I'm going I think on the 25th for night for my next round and I always have them save a little bit to to fill in the uh the lines in my forehead the older I get. I want to always save a little bit left. Yeah, my wife always asks, but she, you know just she goes you get like 500 she goes, Can I get like 10. Yeah. Like, Share the wealth. 
Come on, Scott, share the wealth. Let's go. We That's need to... exactly what she says to me. And, you know, I'll do anything in the world for her. So Absolutely. Hey, tell me about this mechanical arm that you were talking about. Where, where do you do that? And what does that hopefully help you with in the future? I'm in a spinal study now. And they tried on my left arm because my tone is not that bad on my left arm. So I slipped my hand into it. And I have that my thumb goes in one place. My two fingers go somewhere else, and then my ring finger and my pinky are in it as well. And also, it hooks up, it gives me stimulation on the muscles through a computer that then opens and closes my hand, lifts my elbow, closes my, it's, and I could fold towels, I could uh, flip cards. They have me doing all different tasks. Wow. Um, in the room I've done, I tried to, uh, pick up utensils. It's a little tight with utensils. So I give my feedback. I go, listen, you need to fix the fingers so you could grip more around the utensils. Wow. Where do you and do that? Is that, is that in OT or is that over in the foundation? That's in the foundation. I go over to the foundation okay. three times and do that. And that is ending on actually Monday. Mm -hmm. And then they get all the tests that I've done and then they put it back to the other people and my recommendations and everything else. And that would be perfect. It's really made, originally it was made for people with a stroke, right. but they're seeing how it works for people with spinal injuries. That's amazing. So I'm a test. I'm going to have to find out a little bit more about that stuff. Absolutely. Yeah. Scott, I know as we talked earlier, you talked about how hockey uh, was a big part of your life. I know that sports in general are a big part of you know, you're, you're watching and, and stuff that you follow because I see you on Twitter. I know along with, um, my boss and great friend, uh, Jane Mitchell, you guys are big Mets fans. Tell me about some of the teams. I know you're a big Rangers fan as well. Tell us about how sports, um, are a great outlet for you, not only watching, but, um, you know, sort of for your mindset. Um, and tell me about the teams and some of the players that you enjoy watching. Okay, my number one sport is hockey by far. The New York Rangers are my life. I grew up on Long Island, very close to Island, the country, but my father was a diehard Ranger fan, so there was no way I was ever going to be an Islander fan. So okay. The Rangers stuck with me. Um, the New York Mets were brought to me by my grandfather. I used to sit down and watch games with him in his home all the time and at his summer home. That was all he wanted to do is just sit on the couch and watch games. And we would do it. And actually, we'd listen on the radio, too. You could listen. Right? Radio you know, is the best, no especially one, baseball and no radio. The, yeah, knowing the sport, really, for the uh, radio. And then my football team is the New York Giants. Okay. And you know what? It's it's interesting. The The Mets, I like the, mo the most for interaction because I made some very good friends at Kessler through the there's a woman named Jane Mitchell and a guy named Jesse who's in the foundation. Right. After, before I go to therapy, my uh, arm therapy. Right. Sit down with them. We call it, we talk about any of the trades that go, trying to plan now to get to a game. Right? Gonna invite Hirschblum. Yeah. Because he's a big Met fan as well. Yes, he is. So Jane is putting it together. Um, we're trying to, I think we're going to go on a Sunday and we're going to probably make it open to like 
anyone at Kessler that wants to go and we're going to try to get the tickets. You know something, Jane mentioned that to me yesterday and let me, let me please apologize for the ringing in the background. That's my home phone line. I think it was my, my sister <laughs> was trying phone? to call. Yeah. We still have a landline. If you can believe that. I, I don't know why we have it. I think the only one that ever calls it anymore is my sister and she's down at the Jersey shore and that was her calling. I could hear a call from Susan. So let me apologize to, uh, to my four listeners that are out there listening to us. But no um, yeah, Jane uh, mentioned to me yesterday that you guys were putting together um, a crew to head over to City Field and she invited me. So I have to take a look. She gave me the date, but I can't recall when that is. But um, yeah, so I might be joining you. September, we could Sunday, September 16th at 1.40 p.m. Okay, okay. And, and who's playing? The, oh, the Pirates? Yep, the Mets versus the Pirates. So that's a team that we should... I mean, we're a very good team this year. Yeah. It's, just, it's getting towards the end, so which would be good. Maybe they'll clinch at that point. So there'd be some celebrations on the field. It'd be really wild. But That would be that, great. The game, I think, works for everybody the best. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and Scott, I have to tell you that my buddy and yours... Uh, Jokin just walked in the room here. He brought his leash. I think he needs, uh, I think he's trying to tell me something, but, uh, he's definitely you something. So if you got to go, John, I understand. <laughs> no, he's, he's pretty good at holding it. So I, I have, uh, one last great question for you, but I wanted to let you know that he must've heard me talking about you because he loves you and seeing you up at, uh, up at no. therapy all the time. Absolutely. And, and here's my final question. And I ask it to all of my guests who have, uh, had a spinal cord injury. And I'll give you um, the preface where it sort of came from is one of my dearest friends who unfortunately just passed um, in the last month or so. He was a high school friend of mine. He was two years ahead of me in high school. And about six years ago, unfortunately, he had a severe spinal cord injury. He was wakeboarding with his boss and his family. And, um, you know, he wiped out and he had um, whiplash and he, he, he was in a bad way. He was a high quad. Um, and he and I were both waiting in the hallway there at Kessler for doctor's appointments. And there was a long line of people. So we were waiting for a while and I didn't realize I was talking all that loud, but I just said to him, I said, Hey T, if I could snap my fingers right now and you would be completely able-bodied once again, what's the first thing you would do? And he paused and I could see the smoke coming out of his ears as he was thinking of an answer. And then I heard from behind me, there was an elderly woman that said, I would go out in my yard and plant my flowers. And then I heard a guy in front of me say, I would go into the garage and finish building that, you know, table I was putting together. And people were just drawn to the question. And I thought, wow, this is a good one. So when I put this podcast together, I'm going to make it a part of it. So I will ask you, Scott Metalovich, if if I could snap my fingers right now and you would be immediately able-bodied once again, what's the first thing you would do? I would hug my wife with both my arms because right now I can't hug my wife with both my arms. I would wrap both my arms around her and hold her so tight and not let go. That's awesome. That's awesome. You know, I had I had a guy on the other day. His name was Josh Basil, and he was the the founder and creator of something called Spinalpedia. If you don't know what it is, I urge you to check it out. He's on Twitter, uh, and his website is spinalpedia.com. They have videos and, and uh, testimonials there. It's amazing. He just had a child, and he's a high quad, and he really has no... Um, not great use of his of his upper body and he can't walk at all. He's in a power chair. 
And his answer was that he would hug his son. I believe it's a boy. He would hug his child and squeeze him as tight as he could. And so along the same lines as what you're saying right now, which is a great thing. And I'm sure your wife would welcome that hug. I'm sure she would. Absolutely. Um, it's great that you have her behind you and, and a supportive family as well, Scott. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, listen, I am so thrilled that you were able to join me today to be my first guest in the friend zone. Um, and uh, I look forward to working shoulder to shoulder with you in therapy on Mondays and Wednesdays for as long as they'll have us and as long as the insurance companies will let us continue. And so um, I hope you enjoy your weekend. Um, and again, thank you for joining me today, Scott, and best of luck in the future. Absolutely, John. Thank you. I'll see you on Monday. And just like that, another episode is in the books. Thanks again to my guest and friend, Scott Metalovich. Keep up the great work, Scott. You inspire me from across the gym. Thanks again, as always, to my Mixmaster General, Mr. Chris Parapesco at Harbor Picture Company for making the show sound so great. And until we meet again, I am John McAlevey, and I thank you for your time. I don't know.